0: Welcome to our Women in Arbitration podcast mini-series, a platform for women's voices across the global international arbitration community. I'm Lucy Winnington-Ingram, an international arbitration lawyer based in Reed Smith's London office. In these episodes, we will hear from leading women in the international arbitration space and discuss industry news, trends, developments, and matters of interest. And with that, let's get started. Hello. And welcome back to Arbitral Insights and the latest in our Women in Arbitration mini-series. My name is Susie Savage. I'm an international arbitration lawyer and partner principally based in Reedsmith's London office, but also working out of the Reedsmith Astana office. Today, I'm really thrilled to be joined by barrister Dr. Natalia Perova of Lamb Chambers here in London. Natalia, who is a Russian-speaking English barrister who's been working with Reed Smith and myself on behalf of Kazakh clients for a number of years, is head of the International Dispute Resolution Group at Lamb Chambers and also acts as an international arbitrator and arbitration advocate. Thank you so much, Natalia, for kindly giving up your time to take part in this dialogue with Reed Smith about women in international arbitration. Promoting and having an open dialogue on diversity, equity and inclusion is part of Reedsmith's Smith's ethos every day of the year, and one about which Natalia and I are passionate. It's lovely to be speaking with you again. The last time we met Natalia was in a delightful restaurant in Astana, but I was carrying a heavy cold and we were all still very wary of COVID. To get things rolling, please would you share with us a little bit about your professional background from being an intern in the United Nations, university lecturer in law and now a barrister and an arbitrator based in London, but working all over the world for global clients and I note your many and varied language skills. Why did you want to go into the law?
1: Well, interestingly, a career in law hasn't been my first choice. So, when I was um, about 10 years old, uh, I have become very passionate about journalism and pursued my passion all the way until the end of my first university degree. It was during that time uh, when I was introduced to some law subjects. And in particular, our tutor was asking very interesting questions and very challenging, I must say. So I realised that uh, I really have this fascination with intellectual challenge and these interesting questions. So um, uh, there were a few years after that when I was living in different countries, doing internships in international organisations, studying for... Uh, various university degrees, a fascination about public international law, the United Nations, and then there was a career in academia. And after all this and six university degrees and two PhDs, um, yeah, I know I'm a bit overqualified. I finally uh, got an opportunity to practice law at the bar.
0: I'm terribly impressed with six university degrees. Wow. So mentoring and its importance is a big topic in this area. So would you share with us who mentored and influenced you on this path?
1: Well, I think uh, uh, that was a collective effort of all my tutors, masters and PhD supervisors, and also during my internship at uh, the ICTY tribunal, Judge Morrison uh, suggested that uh, I should qualify as a barrister because I was going to do PhD and he said, to you must join the bar. So he organized first marshalling experience uh, with a judge for me. Uh, So those who don't know what is marshalling is uh, like sitting uh, on the same bench with a judge uh, in a local court. And uh, I really enjoyed it and followed that experience with a lot of other marshalling opportunities that I organized for myself. So during this marshalling, I actually realized that I really want to take part in court proceedings and decided to become a barrister. Actually, I also wanted to become a judge, but it doesn't involve that much flexibility in terms of work commitments. So I guess being an arbitrator actually uh, gets you best of the both worlds.
0: Ah, so I'm guessing then that that's why you went down the arbitration path in particular.
1: Well, uh, yes. So I like the flexibility aspect of it and also its international nature. Having always enjoyed working with people coming from different parts of the world, being part of uh, this diverse and international environment at the United Nations, I was always trying to combine my career at the bar and international aspects of my work. So um, my current practice is actually very international in nature. And uh, obviously, a lot of international matters are now resolved by international arbitral tribunals.
0: They are indeed. So before we started today, you mentioned to me that you've just come back from arbitrating in the VIZ International Arbitration Moot in Vienna and how inspiring it was. So would you tell me about what went on there and what your thoughts are on the future of international arbitration?
1: Oh, this is really an extraordinary event which happens every year for the last 30 years. It brings together teams of students from universities around the world who compete against each other in a moot. So for those who don't know what moot is, it's like a mock uh, arbitration proceeding, uh, which concerns a problem question uh, which the students have to deal with. And uh, these moots are judged by moot arbitrators uh, who are practicing lawyers, arbitrators, or university lecturers or professors. I was uh, really amazed uh, by the scale of this event. 30 years ago, uh, when it started, it was about 11 teams. Now, uh, this year, 387 teams from so many countries around the world. And about 1,000 arbitrators and coaches were present in Vienna. Uh, so you can see, we can see how popularity of international arbitration around the world is really growing so fast. And so I think this is the future of international dispute resolution. I realized that uh, uh, there are so many lawyers around the world who are also fascinated, like I am, with international arbitration. I really like the idea that organizers uh, made sure that there were mixed tribunals, so arbitrators would be coming from uh, common law and civil law jurisdictions, and we all learn from each other in terms of the style and approaches, and really students benefit from it as well. It was good to demonstrate to the new generation of future lawyers the importance of uh, diversity gender diversity, social, cultural, age diversity. Once they qualify, they will bring with them and maintain throughout their careers the values of equality and diversity. And I think uh, uh, the trend is towards recognition of truly global, international nature of arbitration. It's flexibility and diversity as arbitrators, advocates and parties are coming from different countries and different backgrounds, that's really valuable, I think,
0: for the future. Okay, then. So what, in your view, are the key positives that come from having socially, culturally, age, gender-diverse arbitral tribunals?
1: I think diversity in arbitration provides a better understanding of parties' needs, moves towards uh, elimination of preconceptions and uh, resolution of disputes in a fair and most effective way. I think the realization is actually that uh, that we're all coming from different places and different backgrounds, but what we uh, need to understand is uh, that we're part of the same process and we share similar objectives and uh, the differences between us will only be our strengths.
0: Wonderful. I'm proud to say that Reed Smith is a signatory to an active proponent of both the Equal Representation in Arbitration Pledge and Equal Representation in Expert Witnesses Pledge. The issue of gender disparity remains high on the agenda in all walks of life, and rightly so, actually. There are many extraordinary, fantastically hard-working women leaders in arbitration, such as Meg Kinnear, elected to a third term as the Secretary General of ICSID, and the redoubtable Claudia Solomon, the first woman president of the ICC Court, and this year overseeing the ICC centenary. And they lead the way and inspire women in arbitration. So Natalia, you inspire me. So can you share with us your thoughts generally on women in arbitration? Oh,
1: Susie, you're also a real inspiration for me as well. So um, I think it's uh, very important that the world is moving toward better inclusion of women in arbitration. I think we can add different perspective and value to the tribunal's dynamic, the way the tribunals conduct their matters and deliberate. As long as everyone is receptive to different perspectives, uh, respects each other's views and uh, works towards a common objective, this helps a lot. In my experience, uh, given difficulties that exist or existed uh, for women to get to higher positions and get uh, good appointments, they tend to work even harder to get there. And this hard work and perseverance brings a lot of success to organisations or tribunals where they work.
0: So Natalia, do you really think things have improved for women in arbitration over the last sort of, five to ten years?
1: I actually think they they did, and one of the examples of this is where I'm currently sitting in an arbitration in a different jurisdiction, and uh, we have a uh, three member tribunal, and two of us are women. Uh, one of us is presiding arbitrator, and the dynamic is amazing uh, among all of us. We it's really good that there is this diverse element here, but also I can see that it is becoming actually a
0: norm rather than an exception to have this tribunal. I think that's really encouraging.
1: Yeah, agree. And that's why I see the world moving uh, now towards this kind of direction. Uh, So I do know that in some jurisdictions, there are more difficulties than uh, in other jurisdictions, which are more open-minded. And uh, some jurisdictions reached a lot of progress on this, But uh, in others, uh, you have sometimes some archaic uh, attitudes towards women's roles generally. And uh, unfortunately, they remain and quite difficult to break through. I commend institutions who work really hard on this, but there's still some way to go and this way to go is probably for the parties and clients who are the ones that uh, would need to learn on this trend and lead this trend.
0: So how do you see the practice of arbitration then changing in the next 10 years?
1: I think the current trend is towards diversity and values it brings and globalization helps uh, in this direction a lot. I do believe that this international arbitration mood in particular represents this trend if every year we'll have about 4,000 people more participating in it from all around the world, uh, all these participants will bring uh, what they really learn there, their ideas and values uh, to their work in arbitration. So uh, there will be a trend to diversity, flexibility, effectiveness, finding a common ground and adopting uh, more of a cooperative approach focusing on the resolution of a dispute, not just on the escalation. And the parties, lawyers and arbitrators, who will realise that earlier on, will be the real winners of this process, I think.
0: That's great. It just remains for me now to thank Natalia for joining me in this podcast and to thank you all very much for listening. We hope you'll tune in to the next edition of our Arbitral Insights podcast series and especially the next podcast in our Women in Arbitration miniseries. To find out more about Reed Smith's international arbitration capabilities in London, Paris, Astana, the US, and elsewhere, do please visit reedsmith.com.
2: Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at to learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the costs of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on ReedSmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, ReedSmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reed Smith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.